And what is up? Welcome in GC Live. Wes Mitchell here. Chris Clark joined momentarily by Charles Power, one of our favorite guests. Uh, again, this show brought to you, as always, by Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. Check him out, 803-771-6933. We're going to go straight out to our guest line now and bring him in. It is Charles Power who handles all the rankings at On3. Uh, Charles, how we doing, man? I'm do- doing good. Uh, trying to probably dodge some some bad weather here in, in middle Tennessee, but uh, I think we got some stuff bearing down on us here in the next hour or so, but yeah, doing good. Um, we're relatively deep in our 2024 rankings process, working on that post junior season update, which by our, for in our, on our calendar is probably one of the more intensive ones. Um, Cause I think the last time we, we re-ranked this, this cycle was uh, I want to say maybe like October or so um so there's been a, a lot of football since then and we're a lot of guys emerged since then as well so we're we're pretty deep in that right now working on it yeah charles man we appreciate you taking the time uh, always enjoy sort of getting a little behind the scenes look at everything and obviously there are several guys specifically that we want to ask you about but i i do think uh maybe an opportunity here to give fans a little bit of a sneak at what this actually looks like so as you're sort of processing through the rankings and going step by step. Um, I know as far as fans go, this is when the attention, I think, really starts to turn to 2024. Uh, You know, they've heard the big names, and I I think our fans uh, probably follow the in-state guys uh, when they're a little bit younger than maybe out-of-state guys. But um, what does this part of the process and maybe even kind of the months before this look like for you as you're starting to just get a feel – for what an individual class is, is looking for. Because now the fans are hearing, oh, this guy's at a junior day for my school. This guy's on campus. So I think this is when they really start to like, okay, this is a name I need to know. This maybe isn't a name I need to know. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it's a lot for sure. So we kind of start off, Cody Belair, who does the rankings with me at, at On3, we start off and we kind of just divvy up positions and Cody and I will go through uh, position probably takes us a couple days to do each one depending on like I did receivers it took me maybe three or four days to do receivers because there's so many of them um and like like I won like tight ends you could you could knock out basically in an afternoon but we're, we're, we go through uh do kind of all of our our film work on those guys we're plugging in stats getting updated measurables kind of the whole the whole deal and we sort by position first so that's kind of like your apples to apples comparison uh, and then Cody and I will kind of cross check each other and then we'll, we'll basically meet on each position. So we stack the positions and then we get together and, and do the whole list, which probably takes us about like two days to do um, in terms of one to 300. Um, and it was like it, it, in that process, we're kind of deliberating, OK, who's our number one player? How many five stars are we going to have? Who are the five stars? Um, so that's kind of when that all comes together. But the the basis of it is really kind of determined by our positional pecking orders. That's just the best way for us to do it. Um, and, and it kind of, as we're going through, we kind of have a, we have a little bit of a, of an understanding um, of kind of where, like where each player will fall just overall, like say, okay, this is a top 50 type of prospect, or this is a one that we want to have in the on 300. So we kind of, we, we, we take notes as we're doing it and, like really constantly communicate basically every day um, kind of what we're thinking. And then we come, come together and, and meet on it and come to a consensus. And, um, but yeah, so it's like probably for us with this one, basically started working on it uh, like a 
Cody was working on it before signing day. I, I started working on it probably probably the day after, the next day after uh, the the February signing day. So it's 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 full steam ahead. And then um, you know we, we just we and, and we're we're learning about these these prospects as well. Like you kind of compare it to how much we knew about the twenty three prospects. Like like the last time we talked, like I felt like I could give you all a, a lot of details on on all those guys. And now we're we're, we're, we're learning more about them. And I think we'll learn a lot more over the course of the next year. Um, I, I mean, everybody will, and, and, and the sample size will increase like Wes, like I know um, uh, we, we went to the, that Atlanta camp last year, the under yeah. armor, like I think yeah. <laughs> like next weekend. Um, so that like that, like that camp's huge. Like that one, the, or, the one in Orlando, those camps are going to be huge. We're going to get verified measurables on, on a, a lot of these guys. Um, so, so I think stuff like that's going to help. Like it's, it's the picture's going to be become a lot clearer, but this this one is really catching up on new names, watching all of the junior season, especially the, the back half of the junior season, essentially. Um, so it's it's probably a month's work of uh, a month's worth of work. Are you and Cody when you guys come together with your rankings? Are have you ever been super far apart on guys? Like you have a guy as a five star, and he's like, this guy yeah. is a three or a low four. Yeah. Not all like he and I see it fairly similarly. Um, there probably are there, there might be scenario where I have a piece of information or he has a, a piece of information that others not privy to that may uh swing things. And then there have been, I would say, under 10 where he or I will be like, I just can't, I just can't do this. Uh, this is like too high or too low. Um, but not often. We, we, we typically we, we kind of view evaluations uh, relatively closely um and and i think that's like we like this part of why we work we work well together um but it is good for sure to have a second set of eyes and um sometimes when when you're doing this and you're watching 100 plus players a day it can kind of be easy to to miss some things or, or just the extra perspective is definitely a benefit so um it happens but but not not terribly often which i think it's probably a good thing if we feel like we're we kind of know what we're doing um and and I, i've been in the past i've been in rankings conversations where you can just get bogged down in arguments um and i think he and i both kind of operate with a pretty good level of compromise and trying to thread that needle so uh we don't waste a ton of time on that charles we've already talked to you quite a bit about that 2023 class and uh any fans listening or watching go back on our youtube bunch of content from I guess that was maybe a month or so ago, but since that time, uh, Nicholas Harbor obviously uh, committed, signed with South Carolina. I think we did talk about him briefly, but um, everybody yeah. wants to talk about Nick. So, um, you know, he closes in as the number one, quote, athlete in the uh, class. Uh, what can you tell Gamecock fans out there as far as what you saw from Nick? And uh, where was your head always at on kind of the big question of his best spot on the mm-hmm. field? It felt like early on. There's a lot of talk about him maybe being an edge guy, edge rusher. It shifted to tight end. The latest South Carolina has said is actually more outside of that, more like wide receiver. Um, you know, wh- where is your head out and as far as your thoughts on Nick and best spot? Yeah, for, for I would say the good chunk of his recruitment evaluation, I kind of – my initial thought and I kind of held this thought was he probably has the highest upside as a, as a pass rusher. The more and more – I watched him. I, I see the 
the offensive side of things a little more. And I, I'll, obviously a lot of that folds into his track aspirations. I think he's naturally a heavier guy. Like he's going to have to work to keep his, keep his weight off. So I, I, I do understand um, if, if he, if he's wanting to run track and wants to be kind of, I guess, I don't know what his target weight is, I guess like maybe 220, 230. Um, I, I do think that, playing offense would, would, would help him with that. Uh, you know, I, I had a measurement on him, I think before his junior year, he was 238. Uh, so, so he's naturally a pretty, pretty heavy guy. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought just kind of going into his senior year and, and watching a lot of the film from his senior year, I thought he was pretty um, unpolished as a pass catcher, a guy who, you know, I think you would want to see ball skills and, and stuff like that. Um, just, but, but the, the pure athleticism, his size speed combo. I know I've said this several times is got to be the best I've ever seen from, from a prospect, right? I mean, you just don't see six, five, 225 pounders running 10, three. Um, you just never see that really. Uh, so I kind of went into that week at Under Armour kind of wanting to like really kind of hash out what, what, what is he as a pass catcher? Cause he played tight end at, at, that, at the practices that week. And um, I, I thought he was a pleasant surprise out there. Now, he, he body caught a lot of the balls, but I also only saw him have one drop. And there, there was top receivers who had more drops than him. So I think, I think it's a situation where the more reps he gets, if he focuses on this solely, I think he's got a lot of upside there. And, and I think I, we talked about this last time about him playing outside receiver Like I kind of like I think that's like I I don't disagree with South Carolina saying he's a receiver. Like I watched I you know in in the press conference after he signed, Beamer was like we're gonna probably play him at receiver, and I think that's probably his his best chance to to make an impact early. Um, You just just kind of stick him out there and let him be a a deep threat, pull a safety over, run vertical routes, kind of be that that constraint um, gravity. vertical receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think too, like we, we, we left, we left that week at Under Armour higher on him. He was one who was probably, you know, going to be challenged to, to keep that five, that, that fifth star based on just what we saw as a senior. Um, but we, we came away from Under Armour thinking he's just has too high of upside. He, ha- he has to stay as a five star. Um, I, I think, I think with South Carolina, it's important to, to note like he is a, very high upside prospect, but he is, when you think of a conventional five-star, his upside is probably higher than, than, than many, but, but he's going to need to develop. He's a developmental type. He's it's, I would, I would not expect like a Jadavion Clowney type of deal where this guy comes in as a freshman. He's just like immediately ready to go. Now he could be in a, in a, in a specific role, but I think it's important to kind of temper those expectations, but um, he's one where it's just, just, there's just so much natural ability. And, and I'll, I will add as well, one thing that, that impressed us out there that you maybe don't, didn't get to see on the, on the senior film was, was I think his change of direction was, was very encouraging. You know, he kind of has that reputation of just a straight line sprinter. And sometimes with those guys, you can have some rigidity in their movements. Um, they're, they're more kind of, kind of a vertical straight line mover. And, and with him, like when he stuck his foot in the ground, he could he could pivot at the top of his routes, uh, get in in and out of his breaks. I just think the biggest thing with him is going to be focusing on one position, and really, I mean, ultimately, if he focuses on football, 
um, I, I think there's a, there's a ton of upside. Uh, and he would be one, like, if you're, if you're a coach, like you have to be like really excited. Like I'm sure Jody Wright has to be really excited about the prospect of developing him. Cause there's just so much just natural ability. Um, but it's, it's, it's still, there's still a lot of it that's untapped, but it's, when you see him in person, like you see all of these like dozens and dozens of top prospects in person, like he sticks out physically. Like he was one of the probably top two or three most physically impressive guys at Under Armour. So um, obviously a, a huge get for South Carolina. I think you have to be really excited about the um, the player you're adding, but also just the recruiting win and kind of what it means to, to the program and Shane Beamer's tenure. Charles, when you think about, you know, you went kind of big picture there with like what it means so I know we want to dive into some of South Carolina's 2024 commitments as they're off to a hot start. Wes and I have kind of talked about, not really debated, not really a debate, but how how this start in 2024 stacks up historically. And so obviously we can, you know, we can go back and look at the rankings kind of in the recruiting uh, star ranking era. What are your thoughts just off the top, though, from what you've seen out of the 2024 start? All four star type guys, right? Some higher than others, but you've been doing this quite a while and from this state, you followed South Carolina a while. Where does this stack up in your mind? Yeah, I think it's probably as good of a start that they, as they've been off to. I mean, the, the one that I would, I guess, compare it to uh, maybe like that Steven Garcia, Cliff Matthews year, um, like kind of early, relatively early Spurrier era. Um, but I, I think, I think it's substantial for, for a couple of reasons. One, you talk about a lot of these guys, they're, landing are, are highly coveted right so you, you in in they're in within the recruiting footprint you're talking georgia south carolina in-state guys in-state guys that clemson wants um i think is i think is notable um it's not i mean y'all have been following state of south carolina for a long time offensive line is traditionally not one of the best positions in, in south carolina i think to be in good position or you know y'all would know this better than me but to be in pretty good position to land maybe the three top offensive linemen in the state who are highly coveted highly recruited um, I, I think is, I think is, you know, you, you couldn't ask for, for more than that. Um, essentially like, I guess for all intents and purposes, like flipping Mazio Bennett is, is huge. I think receivers, a position where South Carolina can continue to improve just in terms of adding the talent. I think adding a guy like him who can do a lot of different stuff for you is, is big. Um, you know, w- w- Wendell Gregory, I think has a case maybe to have the most physical upside of any linebacker in this cycle. Um, just in terms of like with, with his length athleticism, he's just got, um, we're, we're, we've been high on him for probably a year plus um, and continue to be. Uh, and obviously he's got a, I think he's has room to continue improving um, with his tackling and whatnot, but um, just, a, I, just a lot of, a lot of natural ability. I think he's kind of has the starter kit when you look at um, just the dimensions and athleticism of, of a, of a, potential high NFL draft pick at linebacker kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Quay Walker, the, the Georgia linebacker who was, who was a first rounder place for the um, Green Bay Packers. So um, as you can kind of see, like we're like sky high on him relative to the industry. Um, so I think, you know, in watching his junior season, I, I don't think that'll, that'll change. Um, you know, M- Michael Smith, really good tight end from, from Savannah guys, twitchy athlete, uh, makes plays after the catch. Plays with Jake Merklinger, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the cycle um, at uh, at Cavalry Day. So, I mean, it's 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 a really good group. And I, I think I think when you look at like like the trajectory, guys, they're uh, in the mix with, if not favored to land. Um, 
yeah, I think I think you have to be really excited about about the recruiting momentum that that, that Beamer has. And um, we always talk about like, you know, I think there's like always a conversation like, is, is momentum real in sports? Well, I know one thing where momentum is real. Momentum is real in recruiting because it's heavily perception based. And uh, I think, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan, you should be really excited about the, the start to 2024. So um, a, a guy a lot of Gamecock fans are excited about. I mean, really, I think they're excited about the whole class. But um, getting Cam Pringle, like you said, uh, highly coveted, um, you know, across the board, it's like number one or number two offensive tackle in the country out there. He's in that conversation. Bunch of SEC offers. Um, other than just the sheer size, which you see Cam and you're just kind of like – see him in person the first time, you're like blown away by this guy. But mm-hmm. what, uh, what do you like about Cam? What puts him up there? Um, and, and also, what do you think, Cam? Uh, you know, we'll maybe need to work on moving forward. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, first off, the the frame. I mean, I, I saw him at that Atlanta camp a year ago, and I mean, he's he's huge, right? I mean, he's carries three thirty, three thirty, three forty, about as good as you could. I, I, I mean, typically you don't want offensive linemen that are that heavy because it tends to affect movement a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But he, he's just so large, and I think he does have pretty good athleticism at that size. He's not, he's just not like, I, he's a pretty high floor prospect in terms of physically, cause he's not that much of a projection. You don't have to like close your eyes and imagine what he's going to look like you know, in, in a couple years. Like he's, you know what he, you know what he's going to be. Um, I think he has pretty good physicality. He's got some nastiness as a block finisher. Um, like that he throws a shot put, uh, kind of shows some, some explosion, explosion burst. Um, hopefully we'll get to see him in the next like, couple weeks and, and get a better picture kind of where he's at physically now uh, if, if anything's changed but yeah I mean he's you know he's he's a guy who is is I think just just a pretty easy projection in terms of um being an SEC offensive lineman I, I think too you know he probably like in terms of like just prototype if you're gonna kind of if you're gonna boil it down he's probably more like a, like a right tackle um a guy who can can get a push in the run game he could play inside if you needed to just get the five best in the field um and I think, you know, if South Carolina is able to land Josiah Thompson, I think they both complement each other pretty well. Like Josiah is probably a little more um, nimble, flexible guy who has upside, as I think, as a pass protector. Um, both those guys have a lot, like a lot of length, really good frames. Um, I, I think in terms of, of what Pringle can continue to improve, it's probably just flexibility. It's be, being a taller, um, a taller, high-hipped type who, who already has a, a ton of mass on his frame, just continuing to be more flexible. I think getting lower – working on the ankle flexion is probably what I would say uh, the biggest areas he could continue to improve. Yeah, Charles, uh, I'm, I am hoping we get to see him at Under Armour because I, I actually saw him in person when he committed, and uh, he's been playing basketball. So oh, nice. he's dropped – he's probably dropped 15, 20 pounds off of his previous weight. So it'll be yeah. very interesting to see him out there if he comes to Under Armour in Atlanta, maybe moving mm-hmm. with some of those other guys. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's, he's kind of reshaped a little bit. Um, Chris, you want to go next, man? Yeah, one more about Cam, Charles. Just So right now, I think he's 40th, if I'm not mistaken, in the uh, on-three consensus. You guys have him number 30 and the number two offensive tackle in the country. 42nd in the consensus, I'm sorry. It's, it's their, you know, that, that puts him, I mean, number 30 nationally. I think last year you guys had 32 five-stars. So – I mean, the obvious answer is he's close, you know, already to that status. But do you see him potentially being able to get there? Maybe your answer is we'll see when we see him next time. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, 
I think there's going to be a lot of movement in our offensive tackle rankings based on um, what we the work we've done on it so far. Um, we'll see. I, I think I think a lot of that with, with, with him. I, I would say if you kind of look at our rankings now with offensive line, um, a lot of these guys uh, who like Cam Pringle are kind of ready-made physically probably tend to be ranked higher earlier in the process. And you have some more developmental types that move up uh, as time goes on. So I wouldn't get, um, I probably wouldn't put the card ahead of the horse and just kind of assuming that he's going to be in the five-star conversation. That's not to say like we, we will, we like Cam Pringle a lot, but um, you know, comparing him to a guy like Josiah Thompson, who probably has a little more development up to go, those type of just generally speaking, those types of offensive line prospects are the ones who usually see more upward mobility in the rankings process. So as we work through it, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see, and I, I'm eager to see what Cam looks like kind of just based off what Wes said. I, I think playing basketball or, or wrestling is, is really good for offensive linemen because um, it, because it, it allows you to keep those movement skills and, and keep your weight down. Um, like, like re- heavyweight wrestling, you can't, you can't wrestle if you're over 285. So that's, that's, that's an added benefit in, t- in addition to like the leverage and balance kind of stuff you gain. So um, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I think, I think regardless of kind of where, where he stacks up in this next ranking, I mean, if you're South Carolina, like he's a, he's a headliner, uh, you know, must take like priority guy. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But um, I, I think he does bring a lot to the table for sure. Charles, let's go back to uh, Mazio a little bit. He's one of, I think most people would say, kind of the top three guys in state. Most people kind of have Cam, Josiah, and then Mazio, um, you know, in that conversation there with the top three. South Carolina had – it was kind of weird. It felt like they were the favorite. Then Tennessee jumped in, stole him. South Carolina gets him to flip back. I think another just big perception get for them. But um, on the field – looks like a guy that can do a lot of different things. Um, what do you see from him? And do you think he remains an athlete designation or do you think he could be potentially flipped to true wide receiver in the rankings? He's going to be flipped to receiver for sure. I, I honestly, we probably already should have done that. Um, we probably should have done that in the fall. Um, I, I think back to when I, when I watched him uh, to just to do the evaluation for, for the media purposes, when he committed to Tennessee, I guess, you know, kind of earlier in the season, I think he really turned it on since then. Cause I remember kind of thinking like his production was okay. It wasn't going to blow you away. And I think maybe just, it might've been there that offense at Greenville um, just kind of took off. Like he and Tyler Brown both kind of just started dominating for the most part. Um, I mean, I, I think if you, if you're just going strictly off the film, you have to really, you have to like what you see from Mazio Bennett. I think he is you know, stacking him in those receivers, um, you know, no promises. I don't really like to make rank, rankings promises, but I think he is a guy who is likely to move up um, among when you're stacking him among the receivers. Um, I think he just does everything well. He's very well-rounded. He, he's a good route runner. Uh, he, I, he has a, a pretty good catch radius. He's not like, I mean, this isn't like a Sidney Rice type of position receiver, but he extends to, to make contested catches. He can go over the middle. Uh, I love that he does like dirty work. He's a phenomenal blocker. Like I think he has clips. I think the, the start of his, yeah, the start of his highlight video is, is him blocking. Um, so uh, he do a lot of stuff. I think, I think maybe like the biggest unknown or kind of what we want to see from Mazio Bennett uh, just in terms of his evaluation is, you know, he, he, I don't think he like really like runs track or does a lot of other sports. It's basically football only. So just, I think 
you know, getting more context on the type of athlete we're dealing with in terms of the speed. Uh, I think the play speed is, is very good, but, but just in terms of just kind of clearing that up and ad adding more context, I think would be helpful and stuff like that would, would probably, um, I, I would think, you know, like add to upward mobility in, in, in the rankings as we kind of get more information on it. But I came away, um, I, I worked on receivers extensively and I, uh, I came away really liking what I saw from him. Like he was a guy who was kind of a stock up type um, relative to where that falls overall. It's, it's, it's difficult to say until we put the whole like one through 300 order together, but um, stacking him in the receivers, I think he will likely be a guy who, you know, sees a, sees a rankings bump from us. Wes, I don't know if you have another one on Mazio. I wanted to ask a little bit more about Wendell Gregory. Um, Charles, you mentioned how high you guys are on South Carolina's linebacker commitment, Gregory, in this class. What is it specifically that you like about him so much? And I have a second part to that question, too, about linebacker evaluations. But what, what is yeah. it trait-wise that you like about him? Yeah, I mean, it's that's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's the traits. It's the, the, the frame, the movement skills, the length, his ability to play in space. He can cover. He can rush the passer. Um, I think the things that he needs to get better at, are more skill based and like technique based and not like based off of his innate ability. And, and typically like, I think when you're, when you're doing, doing like what we do and you're projecting 16, 17 year olds, um, you, you kind of look, you have to do that. You have to project. You can't al always go off of what is this guy right now? You have to kind of look at indicators um, that, that can tend to favor, high developmental upside. And that's what we see with Wendell Gregory. Um, yeah, I, I want to say too, I think he's younger for the cycle. Like when, when we initially kind of came on him, I think, you know, South Carolina was on him early. I think they might've been one of his few kind of like power five type offers. Um, uh, yeah, I think he has like a spring birthday. So he's a guy who is not like older for the class, um, you know, plays high quality football at, at Walton in, in Georgia. So he's, you know, you, you, you kind of know what you're getting just in terms of the competition level. Um, so uh, like you can kind of see here, like him dropping back and, and picking that ball off. Uh, having a 6'3 receiver or a 6'3 linebacker with his length and movement skills that can do that, the coordination to do that, play in space, but also he can line up on the edge. He's probably going to end up having like essentially like a almost like a defensive end size once he gets in the weight program. Um, he's a guy who can just do a lot of stuff for you. And, and um that's kind of what we tend to, to, to really value at linebacker um, as opposed to a guy who's maybe playing like pure inside linebacker playing in the box. Um, there's just so much more of what he shows. It's like really projectable, which is, which, which is what we like. And that's kind of what we, you know, I think that's what, what the goal is, especially when you're looking at the linebacker position. Is it harder to evaluate linebackers nowadays with, you know, how high schools use some of these guys, you know, I'm thinking about like, like Jerron Willis, who transferred to South Carolina when he played high school ball in Georgia. He's a rush end. He was a safety at first. Wasn't even playing a lot of true linebacker. Now, Gregory obviously plays more, but th does that make it a little tougher, or are you just kind of going off of traits, like you said, at that point? Linebacker is increasingly an athlete position, right? So it's 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 to me, if you're going to boil it down, it's basically two things. It's what are the athletic traits and – how good of a like a total football player are they right so it's not necessarily we aren't watching linebackers in general 
and really drilling down on their skill as a linebacker relative to maybe a receiver where that's like highly uh, just, that's just like a key component at, at, at that, at, at receivers, how you run routes, how you catch the ball. It's just so technical. Whereas linebacker, if you're, if you kind of, st- if you study the, the top draft picks, top NFL linebackers, a lot of these guys are playing running back. They're playing quarterback. They're playing safety. Oftentimes they are not a pure high school linebacker, at least a, a one way high school linebacker. You see a lot of two way players. Um, and, and then, and then in terms of the physical dimensions, I think length and, and athleticism are the two biggest things with, with linebacker. Like if you had asked a Georgia fan who was going to be drafted first, uh, last year, Nicobe Dean or Quay Walker, you would have gotten a hundred percent Nicobe Dean. Well, Quay Walker got drafted higher because he has the traits that the NFL looks for. Um, so, so that's, that's kind of all to say Wendell, Wendell Gregory falls in line with kind of just a lot of the way that position's going just in terms of evaluations and, and trends. Um, and I think too, like I, I mentioned this earlier, I think the area where he's going to probably need to improve the most uh, is, is just kind of like tackling, um, just playing the run. Eventually, I, I imagine he'll, he'll have to play in the box a little bit. He hasn't done that. He's really more of a space guy. You kind of see him like he's almost like a hang linebacker. He's out there on like on slot receivers at times, tight ends, which from a, from a, an ability perspective is great to see. But I think just just moving forward uh, in, in terms for him, just kind of be- becoming a complete player, that those are the things he's going to have to to work on. And I mean, g- given his ability um and just kind of his capacity to improve that he's shown i don't i don't have a lot of doubt that he will he's just not going to be a 100 percent like finished product uh immediately but the upside is like we're we're, we're upside is, is a huge driver in how we rank these guys another upside guy i think charles uh you mentioned him a little bit earlier but michael smith does a little bit of everything i think plays a bunch of different positions i mean i guess it's kind of that wide receiver playing tight end mold a little bit but um Michael, obviously, across the board, all the different services have him way up there. Uh, what do you see in Michael Smith? I know Carolina's kind of trying to reshape their tight end room a little bit. Looks like a good get for them there as well. Yeah, you can, I think you can do a lot of different stuff with, with, with Michael Smith. Um, yeah, I think he's I think he's surprisingly twitchy. Like he makes some plays uh, on on his on his highlights. So you'll you'll see when you pull it up, like just like bouncy, explosive catch radius um looks to be a really good athlete uh and, and i think you can line him up in a bunch of you see that right there like i mean his, his he's basically sideways in the air catching coming down with that um I, I think you can do a lot of different stuff with him you'll see how they move him around I mean, he's playing receiver he's putting his hand in the dirt he can play h back um so I, I think there's there's a lot of things that, that he brings to the table. There's a lot of versatility, which that's really important to me at, at tight end. I think when you're when you're putting a team together and trying to build an offense, having a tight end you can do a lot of different stuff for you allows you to run, like play with tempo, um, not substitute. You kind of look at how Georgia uses Brock Bowers, like that's like he's like a little bit of like a, a cheat code in terms of things they can do with him. And Michael Smith, I mean, it's hard to compare anybody to Brock Bowers. Michael Smith is that kind of player in that he just adds a lot of versatility i mean he also too like you saw what south carolina did with jaheen bell for instance like um so so he can do that that stuff but i think it's really encouraging to see like the 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 contested catches his ability to be a mismatch in the passing game while also while doing that from multiple spots is kind of where where i fall on him um 
you know, he's not like a, a huge framed tight end necessarily. So he's probably going to be, I think, if you're projecting him, like I think towards the college level playing in the SEC, I think most of his snaps will probably be as a, as a move tight end. Um, but, you know, South Carolina is kind of going more towards like multiple tight end sets. He's, you have to have a guy like this on the field if you're running two tight ends basically at all times. So uh, really good pickup for them for sure. And I think when you're taking stock of what they've done to the tight end room, um, that's just another really good piece for, for the offense. And one other guy I got for you, Charles, uh, while we got you again, man, we appreciate you taking the time. Not a commitment, but somebody that Carolina um, I think has momentum with is uh, Jonathan Paler from uh, Burlington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. wide receiver, four-star guy. Um, doesn't look like the biggest kid in the world, but uh, kind of fast, kind of twitchy. What do you see yeah. from uh, Paler? Yeah, I think I think Paler is a, a pure speed guy. Um, had a productive junior year, um, but but I think he's a guy who can add value in the return game, stretch the defense. Um, probably going to compare him to former South Carolina players. He'd kind of be like your Demir Bird, A. Sanders type. Probably doesn't. I mean, not many people have the like the lateral agility of like A. Sanders, so it's hard to you know peg that. But um, I think he like runs like ten sevens. He he's a track track athlete um i think he's like a state finalist or state champion in 100 meters like early in his high school career um you know see, see him playing running back there he can just he can do a lot of different stuff for you um just a, a good athlete and I, a guy who i think you know um landing landing somebody like that out of north carolina would, 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 would be pretty big as well so um guys i would add i would add too not to not to change the subject on, on jonathan paler but um working on quarterbacks for for 2024 um yeah, I'll probably have more on Dante Reno, but uh, I would say, I know we t- I talked about it in the past, like what would Lenore Sellers be if he was in the 2024 cycle? I can kind of confirm he would be one of the top prospects in 2024 at quarterback. It's, it's not a phenomenal year at the position. Um, it's really honestly, since I've been doing this, probably one of the weaker quarterback cycles at, at this stage, just nationally. It kind of reminds me a little bit of 2019, when Spencer Rattler was top quarterback, it was like the Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix, Max Duggan, Ryan Helinski. You know, sorry, Ryan, Ryan Helinski was, he might have been 2020. No, no, he was that year, I think. Um, he was 19, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So not a great year, um, just nationally. Uh, and if, 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 yeah, I just kind of was thinking about it today. Like if the Flanora Sellers and some of those other guys who had like late birthdays in 23 were in 24, like he would maybe be like top quarterback in the country. So um, uh, if, if you were, if you're a South Carolina fan, uh, you know, I, I guess that just further stresses that I would be, I would be excited about landing him at the, at the 11th hour, given what is coming down um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the pipe nationally in, in 24. Um, I haven't really dove too deep into Dante Reno yet. Um, I probably will watch him later today, but uh, I, I think with him, you know, he's, he is, like a really effective game manager. He's got a, a very quick release. I think, I think the release is probably the most notable um, kind of feather in his cap. Uh, he's older and he's like pretty experienced. He's played like relatively, I would say, at least for being up there in, in New England, I think his competition level is probably about as you could, as good as you could get up there. Um, but I think I, I, he's older. Like I said, I think he'll probably be like a 20 year old uh, freshman, but in, in terms of, just um, the, like the steadiness that, that he brings in the field. I think, you know, he's more of like a game manager type, but a guy who can run your offense. He's going to, he's heady and his dad's the head coach at Yale. He's going to know mm-hmm. what to do. Like, I don't think he would be swimming mentally if you put him out, um, out there relatively early. So um, 
he's one that I think I, I'm, you know, we'll be out on like the, the quarterback camp circuit. Uh, if he's like an elite 11 finalist, I'll see him out there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think just generally speaking, I think you have to be pretty pleased with what they're doing at, at quarterback. Um, you know, they got him, they got him early in the boat. And I think coming back with, with sellers on top with, with how much upside he has, um, obviously we've talked about him extensively, it seems like, but um, I think he's be pretty excited about what they're doing at quarterback. And uh, just overall, I mean, the, I, like it, I don't know. I mean, when, when's the last time since y'all been doing this that South Carolina has been recruiting at this, at this level, it's, it's, it's been a while, right? <laughs> yeah. It's um, I, I was actually trying to go back and actually like literally answer that question by the numbers. Um, the, it's funny, the class that it most closely resembles is that 2015 class that ended up getting torpedoed by the Spurrier. Remember when he said, ah, I, you know, it's two to yeah. three years and I'll be out of here, and guys started decommitting left and right. That class, um, that class by May, they had like 10 guys committed, and it was like number eight in the country, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look back, that would have been like 24-7 rankings back then, but um, – that one yeah. is the closest as far as just being off to a start like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and, was and, and the, the guy, the guy who might have been the best one in that class was a three-star, Jair Alexander. Yep. I mean, we saw what he we saw we saw what we saw what he became. I actually remember watching him his stuff as a senior, being like, "What? Like, what's going on here? This guy's got like twenty touchdowns, like ridiculous <laughs> ball skills." And he was like, he was like an afterthought, probably one of, among those like spurrier comment defections i know like mark fields was one right and like hmm. arden key and those guys but like jerry alexander all pro corner who, who would have thought who would have thunk it yeah they they had uh they had jair committed they have damon damon arnett committed at db oh, yeah. and ended up going to ohio state and mark fields who was actually the most highly ranked of them all so yeah um and that would have been that's crazy lamont's or yeah. uh Chris, Chris LeMans. was he for sure Fenton was Fenton ended up being in that 2015 class. Lamont's was 14, I think. Okay, yeah. yeah, Rashad Fenton would have been the other one. Yeah. He played in or is in the league too. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy. I mean, I think you know, I think if we're gonna and if we're gonna compare this to that, I think the fact that this is happening early in the coaching tenure and not you know in what ultimately was like the twilight has to be pretty encouraging, right? This It's like more of like a building process. And I think too, like you got to think back on some of those, those early Spurrier classes, like those, those in-state guys were all like underrated, right? Like Stefan Gilmore should have been rated higher. Alshon Jeffrey should have been rated higher. Like Marcus Lattimore was the, the one that everybody talked about. Um, but, but those, those guys that were kind of like the building blocks of those teams, obviously DJ Swearinger, um, that were kind of building blocks of those teams. I think the state of South Carolina was probably a little undervalued at the time. Um, so hopefully, I mean, I don't know. It's just like I, I hope to always like have a try to have a pretty good pulse on what's going on in the state of South Carolina because it can kind of be overlooked a little bit from a evaluation standpoint nationally. Um, so yeah, that, yeah. Uh, it was it was loaded. Looking back, oh yeah, I mean, they get, don't get me wrong, Cam, Josiah, Mazio, great prospects, but man, you start talking about Lattimore, Clowney, and Gilmore, and Alshon all being sort of back to back to back in there. Yeah, um, and even even the guys, even the guys who like went up, went elsewhere. It was just the amount of like blue chip prospects in South Carolina from like probably like what like '06 to like 2010 was was mm-hmm. unbelievable. I was really like, I mean, like I don't know about y'all, but like that was when I was kind of getting into this, and it was yeah. 
that was yeah. a big reason why I became so interested in it is there were so many players in the state. I remember watch going to watch like Cliff Matthews play basketball or going to see AJ Green in seven on seven. Like, I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that, uh, that talent level. I mean, I guess if you're South Carolina, Clemson schools that recruit the state, like you would, you would hope that, but mm. I was thinking about that recently whenever AJ Green retired, um, like the amount of guys that have come through was just, it's just really kind of unbelievable. But um, I guess, I guess to bring it back to 24, I think the fact that South Carolina is recruiting so well in state, I think you have to be really, really encouraged, like going toe to toe with Clemson. I mean, they, they've done that, you know, I, I guess like in spots in big mm. recruiting battles, like a, like a Zach Pickens, Jordan Birch, but, Doing it consistently, I think, is what you have to be really pleased with if you're a South Carolina fan. It seems like they're 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 turning a corner and and being in the mix for for those at, at a really high clip, at least a higher clip than than we've seen, um, you know, in the past like what like five ten years. Yeah, definitely, man. And and to your point earlier, uh, you know, I think we're hearing Blake Franks they're in good shape there, and then you know I think they've been favorite maybe wire to wire for Josiah, not really a shock there. So that's potentially five guys right there, you know, in state that they really targeted, prioritized early on and will potentially be able to land. So um, good reason for Gamecock fans to be excited out there. But, Charles, man, we appreciate it as always. Um, I guess I'll probably see you in Atlanta for that Under Armour deal. And uh, hopefully – Hopefully it'll be a very productive day for us. We'll get a lot of good stuff, man. But yeah, as I, always, I think they're having it. Uh, I think they're having it at the in, at, at Carrollton, which is an indoor. So I think we're I think we're, we're we're learning from last year where it was rain outside. We didn't get any like testing really at all, other than Vicari Swain's ridiculous yeah. broad jumping socks. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I've been in Atlanta in the rain like countless times yeah. doing it. So. Yeah, this time of year, this time of year in in the southeast is 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 tough for sure. Yeah, brutal. it's brutal, man. So that that'll be good. That'll be great, actually. Uh, Charles, we appreciate it, man. We'll see you then. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Charles. Yep. Charles Power, go check him out uh, again. On three, director of rankings, Chris. That we just learned a lot, man. Um, Are we doing what we learned? Yeah, I got, I got two off the top of my head, but. Um, you go first. What what'd you learn? What we learned brought to you by Clint Hammond. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to figure out where to start. I liked Charles. The first one that popped in my head is the one I'm going to say because there's several. The point that he made about how you rank offensive tackles and the upward mobility and movement. So here's something that could happen. And we can all probably predict it, especially U.S., because you've been doing this a while. You know, if Cam Pringle slips to, say, number 50 nationally, you know, in on threes rankings, ah, uh, they dropped him because he's a Gamecock commit. But meanwhile, longtime Gamecock lean and potential future commitment, Josiah Thompson, I got the feeling is probably going up, right? So there would be your evidence there that there's Charles Power. We've had him on several times. Is clearly not a guy that's going through and saying, God, how can I screw South Carolina in the rankings? We, we know that. Um, but I thought his point was really interesting in that you've got Pringle and Thompson are kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. Pringle, if he walked off the bus in Charlotte against UNC, you'd be like, that is South Carolina's junior offensive tackle, not junior high school player. Josiah Thompson is not – as physically developed, but he has that room to continue growing. And 
a lot of the guys, Wes, that you see as some of the best offensive linemen in the league were more projection guys. I mean, look at the Eagles. Lane Johnson, their left tackle, former 202-pound high school quarterback. Jason Kelsey was a fullback at Cincinnati, a walk-on. So there's a lot more room. You know, when you see a guy like Cam Pringle, he's immediately going to be, boom, this guy's so physically developed and so good already. Here he is. And then as guys like Thompson continue to grow into their frames and get bigger and their their skill levels and their production start matching those physical traits and upside, you just tend to see them move up some. So I'm always fascinated to hear Charles explain how they rank guys position by position. I mean, he talked about how they rank wide receivers, what he looks for in tight ends. How do you rank linebackers? I like hearing stuff like that instead of just, oh, where they're just looking at an offer list and slapping a ranking on a guy. Yeah, and um, I think on three and Charles and everybody involved has proved already, to your point, man, they ain't dropping guys just because they're committed to South Carolina. Um, lots of guys moved up last class, and nobody has been higher on the Norris Sellers than Charles Power, that is for sure. You notice how uh, Charles had to, shoehorn another mention of Lenoris in there. He'll Um, do it from now till the end of time. He's like, how can we talk about sellers? Let's invent a new way. I love it. That's going to prove to be a – and I think he knows this, just like with Eamon Worry. He he already knows that's going to be a great call. Yeah, he's. uh, I think he's already updated it. Hopefully he's – well, selfishly, I hope he doesn't update his resume. We don't want him to leave on three ever. But he's probably already written that in his resume – Right, Lenore Sellers. Lenore Sellers before everybody yeah. else. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, so we, we will back him up on that one. Um, I'm going to give you all mine, but first, going to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, 803 462 5576. Tax time is here. Chris, have you done your taxes yet? Nope. I have not either. You know why? Because I have taxiety. That is an uncertain feeling that you get right before doing your taxes. You do not have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax. They're in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia. They'll walk you through the process. They'll clear up any confusion, and they will guarantee that you'll get your biggest possible refund or your money back. If you're in a hurry for a refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might owe Uncle Sam, you can talk to them to make sure you're not paying more than you actually should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. They're open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays multiple service options, start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, or you can make an appointment or just walk in. Give them a call, upload your tax documents before you get there, and it'll go much quicker and much more smooth. Again, 803-462-5576. That was a fast read, Chris. Um, Great read. Two things for me. All right. I... Obviously can't go to the tape, so I don't want to misquote Charles. Maybe you can confirm this is what he said. Did he say that Wendell Gregory, trait-wise, could be the best linebacker in this class? Yes. He said a version of that. Like, we do need to review the tape, go back and check things. Yeah. But he, he did say his, his physical traits may be the best in this class. And did he also say Lenore Sellers – would potentially be the top quarterback in the 2024 class. Yep, he did say – he definitely said that. Also. <laughs> Th- those were my two biggest takeaways. Yeah. I- 
I also think Gamecock fans should be kind of excited about his Nick Harbor um, take as well. Um, we've talked about this already, man. People have got to be careful with expectations for Harbor and putting just unfair, unrealistic expectations on the kid. And Charles actually said it very much in the same way I think you and I have said it. Don't treat this guy like your typical five-star and expect a clowny-type impact Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Um, But I I do think – I think Charles tried to go into that Under Armour week with an open mind – of not like buying into the hype as far as the receiver skill set, right? And just the ability at that position. I think the fact that he did hold on to the football and the stuff about Harbor not just being a straight line guy, I think that is very, I think it's a very good sign for South Carolina and very good sign for his potential to, to help at wide receiver. But also, we and everybody involved, fans, people listening, especially people who just followed recruiting on kind of the outside looking in, just looking at, oh, it's a five-star. He's a huge name, viral mm-hmm. sensation. We got to remember it is going to take time for him to develop as a wide receiver. Um, you know, So you can't treat him like the guy you're just going to expect to come in and catch 60 passes this coming season either. Yeah, and – Definitely not trying to put words in Charles's mouth, but to kind of restate in a different way what he said, you know, Nick Harbor is a five-star because of his incredible physical traits, the size, the speed ratio, which Charles said, he said multiple times, is probably the best he's ever seen. Not because he's a complete receiver. Like when Jadavion Clowney, that's what everybody wants to compare anybody to Clowney who came out. Stop. Can't do it. There's just there's not another one. There hasn't been another. There hasn't been another clowny. There has not. Not anybody. There have been better NFL players than Clow- than clowny. You could even say there's been better college players than clowny. But just in terms of Jadavion clowny and like the skill set he had in high school and how quickly it translated to college, there has not been another one. So we gotta resist that temptation if anyone has it out there. Um, Clowney not only was incredibly gifted physically, naturally, he also had incredible production to match it. I mean, we, we put out the piece the other day, Wes, um, kind of reminiscing on covering Jadavion Clowney's recruitment, and I'd forgotten how productive he was. He, his senior year, he had 29 and a half sacks. 29 and a half, not career, one season. You know, so – those things both matched up with Nick Harbor. Yes, he's a productive high school player, but there's a lot longer to go to kind of reach what his potential could be. And he's going to be a two sport guy. He's going to run track. So he's not, unless something drastically changes, he's not going to be a football only guy. So important to temper those expectations. That said, he could still be a very exciting player. He could still make a huge impact on the program, but just got to be careful with how you view him and those expectations not being too strong, especially right off the bat. Yeah, he, God, he was so dominant, man. I mean, I guess we can go a little bit down memory lane again here. 
because we didn't do it here on the show. Um, the, his ability to just, for high school offensive tackles, I almost felt like Clowney just chose when he was going to embarrass them. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, you remember the Shrine Bowl? So he missed a lot of that practice because he had, I think, a shoulder injury. And he was going up. I, I honestly felt bad for the kid. There was this offensive tackle who's committed to UNC. And it just it just wasn't even close, you know. I mean, it was literally like an NFL player going against like a college freshman or something. I mean, it's the best thing I can think of. Um, I think Clowney had three sacks in the game. He drew, I don't know, five holding penalties probably at least. I mean, it was absolutely insane. He was just so th- – there's not even another guy – that's even close to that level of dominance in high school that I can think of. And we've seen some great players, right? I mean, we've seen A.J. Green's when you talk about a lot, DeAndre Hopkins and um, Marcus Lattimore. I mean, there's there's so many of them. It's not even close. Dude, it's Day- like Daquan Bowers, I know Carolina he, fans probably. Yeah. Dude, that guy out of high school? Yeah, he oh was tremendous. Yeah. He was tremendous. But I still I feel like it's – honestly – I still feel like it's Clowney, Grand Canyon, and and Bowers and and others. You know, whoever you want to argue is number two. I don't think there's any argument of who number one is. Just completely insane. Do you remember when they would just line? They would actually line Clowney up on passing situations, basically as like a nose tackle. Like they just stand him up over the poor center, and the center would have to snap the ball and then have Clowney either yeah. go flying past him or or just hit him it's like this poor because you know high most high school centers they're not even as big as you know the guards or tackles mm-hmm. normally the smallest guy on the line you got this guy this monster <laughs> it complete just- monster he um i mean they, they would if you go back and look at his film i mean i remember the first time i watched this film i'm like i've never seen a guy triple team before in high school and he would still – it didn't matter. I mean, it was – we could spend a whole show on that. They, Maybe we will uh, one day. Did, didn't Northwestern beat them his senior year? I think so. Would that, would that have been – oh, his senior year? I don't know. I was, I was at a game, South Point versus Northwestern, that was on national TV. I remember that nationally televised game, yeah. Now – was that dude Justin Worley, Northwestern's quarterback at the time? Yeah. Yeah. I I distinctly remember being at – it was either junior or senior. I think it was both of their senior years. And Clowney was, like, in Worley's face all game. But Worley was, like – he was dialing them up pretty – like, he was, he was hitting some passes. And I think he led them down the field to win it. If I remember right, talk about a moment for Rock Hill football sports. Man. Yeah, pretty cool. I, surely somebody in the chat remembers that if it was his junior or senior year. Um, Sonny Causey weighing in. Yeah, the list of guys who decommitted for that 2015 class we were talking about earlier Austin Clark, Arden Key, Mark Fields, Chauncey Rivers, Devin Durant, Paris Palmer. Those are the four stars that all decommitted. Um, and that, that list doesn't even include 
you know, the best player, which was Alexander, who was not a four star, but still. Yeah, not a four. Uh, Alexander, Damon Arnett. Um, dang, there were some other guys. Uh, Josie Milton. You remember that name? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. He got a TCU. Yeah, I think he went TCU. Yep. Yeah. So not, yeah. you know, not everybody. Go ahead. There are some guys in that class, man. Yeah, that class was off to a not, start. Not, not everybody was ended up being elite out of that group, but some did. <laughs> so Arden Key is still in the league. Yeah, man. Arden Arden was a miss. He the decommitted twice. Yep. The re-decommitment. The re-decommitment. <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, I think that's gonna do it. We can sit here and reminisce all day long but hey great stuff from charles as always if you're if you just tuned in if you missed it uh rewind back or actually we're going to probably put these out separately on some different videos so just check that out youtube.com slash gamecock central for chris i'm wes we'll see you soon